Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the <clears throat> It's Just a Game podcast. Thank you for listening. I am your host, uh, Chris Peel. Today, I'm going to be talking to strictly about the Aaron Hernandez documentary that I just watched, and this has been buzzing for a while now. Um, I think it came out about last week, and I know everybody has been talking about it, everybody in the social circles and all of that jazz. It's been talked about a lot. It's definitely one of the most buzzed about Netflix things right now. We go through this all the time where one thing is talked about, then we go to something else, then we go to something else, and right now, it's about Aaron Hernandez, and I'm, I'm looking at this from a football fan's perspective. Now, obviously, I'm a football fan. I'm a sports fan. A lot of people that watch it aren't really even sports fans. They're watching it from like a a murder mystery. They're looking at it from like a like a, just a, they want to look at these like cool little documentaries where you look into somebody's life. And but it intrigued me because, like I said, I'm a sports fan. I don't really get into like the whole police thing and uh the murder mysteries and all, all of that nonsense but so if this wasn't about a football player i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna be straight with you i probably wouldn't have watched this but since it was about a player i actually remember watching like myself i remember seeing this guy on the football field and how good this guy was it just really intrigued me so i had to watch it and then after watching it i just really have some thoughts about it so i'm gonna talk about on this podcast um so stay tuned we'll start talking about that on the other side thank you i think one thing we should learn about this documentary is that you should not judge a person by what you see on the outside looking in now i'm going to pretty much look at this guy on both sides of the coin now on one side, you would say, I mean, look, like I said, back then, you look at it like he was a great football player. He seemed to have it all. Like, he had a beautiful fiance. He had a, a baby. He he was playing for the best team in the league, the best, best organization in the league. Uh, just came off of a Super Bowl. Well, he lost the Super Bowl. But um, so year before, so he played in 2012. That was the last season he played. But the year before, they, they lost in the Super Bowl. But, you know, they were in the championship game or at least – compete for a Super Bowl every single year. He was one. He was a top 10 tight end in the league. Him and Gro- Rob Gronkowski formed the best tight end duo that I think I've ever seen. I've never seen two tight ends be this good on the same team. It's crazy. And that at this, they directed these guys the same year. Like How rare is that that you direct two tight ends the same year and they both become good and they are like total opposites. They're like opposites as far as off the field, in their opposites as far as like their physical ability and what i'm getting at is i'm saying when you look at it from the outside looking in you would think wow this guy was crazy why would he be out here doing this and doing that and just killing people and just like challenging everybody and just being angry and upset with the world like what like you have everything my guy like what are you mad for so that's how you will look at it on that spectrum then you look on the other end of the spectrum, you look at the, you watch this documentary and you see how he came up and you, you see that, you know, he was a product of his environment, like where he grew up, he had to be tough and he was, he was hiding something. He obviously was trying to mask who his real self was. And I'm going to get into that about who your real self is. And I wish we can get to a point in time where our athletes can be exactly who they want to be. And I don't want to make an excuse for this guy for just killing people, I mean, allegedly, 
mean, he got convicted of the Odin Lloyd murder. He got acquitted of the double homicide that was the, a year before that. So all of this is um, alleged. I don't want to say he definitely did it because we, honestly, who knows? There's only a few people that know for real. And you can say you know, and you can say, okay, we did we, we did this and we did that. But, like, who, who really knows, honestly? But, again, I don't really want to make excuses. But then you look at the football aspect of it, all the history they took to the head. And I talked about this when Luke Keekley retired. It's, they're starting a trend of these players retiring early. The guy that he was drafted with, the guy that he was in that tight end room with, Rob Gronkowski, re- retired last year. They they got drafted the same year. Neither one of these guys were 30 years old. Or, or Rob Gronkowski might have just turned 30. But they're retiring early because of the vicious blows to the head. I, I was talking about Junior Seau on my, my podcast a couple weeks ago. And they talked about Junior Seau on this documentary. I had, no, I had nothing to do with this, this documentary. And I, I remember the Junior Seau stuff because all these blows to the head, just they really take a toll on you. And I don't even want to beat a dead drum because I talked about this already. If you want to hear about my thoughts on everybody retiring early, just listen to my podcast a couple episodes ago. I talked about this already. So I've already let my thoughts be known about this situation. But I didn't, and honestly, like I said, I've watched, I've, I've been an NFL fan like all my life, honestly, obviously. But and I watched Aaron Hernandez, and I, I thought he was, you know, really, really good player, really talented. And I watched him closely. I didn't realize how many injuries this guy really sustained. Like, just watching the documentary, I'm like, wow, he really went through a lot of, like, pain and just head injuries. And, you know, just going to the University of – going back to high school, like, in Connecticut, going to the University of Florida. Going to the University of Florida where they said they were in the locker room and they were – you know, taking shots of like all these pain medicine just to just to play the game. That's how serious they take this college game. It's one thing in the NFL, but they take college like certain parts of the world. They take high school seriously. You look at Texas and all that stuff down south. But then when you get to like the real down south, like Florida and then Alabama and Wisconsin, like when you look at those kind of like states or whatever, they take college football really really seriously. And that's why I'm actually not really that big of a college football fan. I'm an NFL fan. I wouldn't feel right putting that kind of pressure on a 20, 19, 21-year-old kid. Now, you know, I'm cheering for my quarterback, and you're cheering for, you know, your favorite players on a professional team. You know what? They signed up for this. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Like, this is what they're supposed to do. This is literally their job. They're here for this. They know what they got themselves into. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on a, a guy that's just try, probably playing college football for fun, co- playing college basketball for fun. Like, come on. So, but that's neither here nor there. But what I'm saying is all the injuries and obviously some CTE and uh, the doctor at the end of this documentary said this was probably the most damage that they've ever seen to a guy this young. And they said it was pretty much over a decade span. And when you look at he died in 2017, you know, look at go back to like 2007 i mean it's not exact science it could be like eight to 12 years something like that so you're thinking that's you know he left college in 2009 he went to florida in 07 i believe it was so that would make sense that this probably all his head damage probably started when he started college and you look in the nfl he took a lot of big shots and he had an injury in the playoff game they show on the documentary and i'm just like wow but going to the kind of person that he wish he can be now 
a lot of questions about his sexuality came out in this documentary. And I forgot who the offensive lineman was. I, I can't think of his name. Some offensive lineman for the New England Patriots. And, you know, he was okay with himself after he retired, obviously. But I wish we can get to a point where we're our athletes, our NBA players, our NFL players, MLB players, NHL, no matter what, golf players, tennis, like, whatever. I wish we can get to a point where they can be themselves. And they can be gay. And they can say, you know what? I am a gay man. I like other men. Who cares? Like, can you play football or not? Like, I, like I'm telling you right now, I literally do not care at all what any of these players do in their own time. I don't. I don't care who they love. I don't care who they. I don't care who they dating. I don't care who they're sleeping with. I. I don't care who they're kissing. I don't care what they're doing after the game, before the game. I. I do not care at all. That's why I don't get mad when Ben Simmons goes out with Kendall Jenner. I don't care. Like, do what you want. Just make sure you're prepared to put that work in when you get on the field and when you get on the court and when you get on the ice. That's all I care about. So, I just wish the society and this world that we live in could be okay with. There being a gay a gay player in the league, like, and Michael Sam tried to do this a couple of years ago, but he wasn't good enough to really make that big of an impact. And in order to actually make a big impact and push the needle forward and move the envelope, we're going to need like a superstar player to come out as gay. Like, obviously there are gay players in the league. There's, I mean, all these gay people in the league. I mean, all these gay people in the world. You're telling me nobody in the league is gay? There's 53 players on on each team. You have 32 teams in the league. That is, now, I'm not a math major, so let me try to, you have seven, about 1,700 players in the league. You're telling me there's not a handful of gay guys in the league. There has to be some. And it has to be one of these superstar players. Now, I know this is a masculine sport. Like, this is masculine energy, and it's just toxic, and it's just like, bro, all the t- testosterone, like, whatever. You can't be gay. There's no way you can be gay. But eventually, somebody's going to have to come forward. And I know not everyone wants to take that bullet. Like, there's not everyone is strong enough to be that front man and, and take on that leadership role of, like, you know what? I'll be the guy to step forward. Michael Sam tried. But again, he wasn't good enough. We need, like, a... I don't want to throw our names or anything because I don't want to accuse. I don't want to make it sound like I'm accusing somebody of being gay. But I'm just saying we need like a a top quarterback or a top running back, a top defensive end, a top cornerback. Like we need one of these like perennial Pro Bowl players to come out as gay, and not just in football either. Like basketball, they could be in any sport, but you know football is like you know the ultimate man man sport. So I feel like to make that big of an impact, it probably has to come from a football player. But then. Then you, you look at he could like he said he couldn't really be himself because and honestly obviously we didn't hear anything at all from Aaron Hernandez this is not from his mouth we heard some of his phone conversations while he was locked up while he was incarcerated so that's pretty much all we got he wasn't able to talk but and obviously he's dead now so we, we're never going to hear his side but just looking into his mind and that was the point of this documentary was looking inside the mind of a killer. Look at look at the world through his eyes. See what he had to deal with. He grew up in, uh, um, like, and it's funny because somebody said it when he said that his dad would come home drunk, and one time he came home and he like banged his mom's head, like his well, his dad's wife banged his head against the sink until she was unconscious, and he was just very like strict on his boys, and you know he was a good player. I think in high school he was, 
or no, college, he was. I think he was a good player in college as well. I think he went to UConn, and like the Hernandez family was really popular in uh, Connecticut. But at home, it wasn't all peaches and cream. I mean, his brother DJ Hernandez came out with a book, like talking about how his dad was, you know, really, really abusive to his mom. And then you look at Aaron, a guy like Aaron Hernandez, and you think like, of course he's like that. Like, look what he grew up around. Like, so again, I'm not giving Aaron Hernandez a pass. There's a lot of guys that grew up with that. There's a lot of guys that grew up taking multiple hits. There's a lot of guys that grew up getting beat by their dad, seeing their mom get abused, having their dad die young, or whatever the case may be. But you look at it, this is not all in black and white. All I'm saying is you can't blame him. I won't say you can't blame him entirely, but look what he grew up around. Like You really are a product of your environment. If you don't have any sympathy at all for Aaron Hernandez, you don't have a heart at all. And I get, again, I completely understand you live with the choices that you make. You live with the decisions that you make with your life. You only get three chances at life and that's it. You get three mistakes and that's life. You're done. But to have no sympathy at all for a guy that suffered with CTE and grew up in that violent and that hostile situation, where you grew up around like a homophobic dad that like, even if you could come out as being gay to like your, your players, you couldn't come out to your dad because your dad was not going to let that fly at all. They said he wanted to become a cheerleader when he was a kid. His dad shut that down really, really quick. So when you grew up around that, that, that's all I'm saying is you really just can't judge from your outside perspective unless you really, really know a guy. And I think that was the point of this documentary was to for you to look at the world from Aaron Hernandez's glasses, look at it from his worldview so you can see the things he had to deal with coming up. See the people that he grew up around. Now, he obviously could have made some better decisions with his life, could have made a lot of could have made some better choices. But sometimes you don't really get to choose your upbringing. You don't get to choose the household that you grew up. You don't get to choose your parents. That's the thing. Parents decide to have a child. The child doesn't decide to be here. The child doesn't decide that he wants to be in the be in this world and be the son of DJ Hernandez. I want to be the son of a, a, an abusive father. I want to be the son of a strict guy that's going to, you know, make us play football and make us be these like manly macho guys. So, but um, it's it's just crazy because I'm telling, you, I, I literally watch these guys and. The Patriots pretty much revolutionized the game. The Patriots went through a couple of different, like, identity changes. So, you know, when Tom Brady first came out, it was, you know, it was throw for about 32 to 3,500 yards, throw about 22 to 25 touchdowns. It was pretty much running game. Like, Antoine Smith and Kevin Falk, David Patton was the receiver. Um, I think Jermaine Wiggins, he was actually on the documentary. He was one of the tight ends in their first Super Bowl, I believe. And then it was the defense. You know, you had Richard Seymour, you had Teddy Bruschi, you had well, Rodney Harrison didn't come to I think that second Super Bowl, but you had Ty Law, you had Lawyer Malloy, you had guys like that, and then that's what it was. So from like that first Super Bowl run, like those first three Super Bowls, that's pretty much what it was. And as it got started, you know, progressing a little bit, they started opening the playbook a little more for Tom Brady as it became a better quarterback. So how about Probably 2006, you know, he started actually, you know, throwing for 4,000 yards and actually, like, airing it out a little more, not just being a game manager. Then when 2007 came, they were just really, really airing it out. I mean, they went out and got Wes Welker because they had lost in 2006 to the New England Patriots. 
I mean, they ain't gonna feature. They lost the conference championship game to the Indianapolis Colts. And after two years of not winning the Super Bowl, they say, you know what, forget this. We're gonna go out, we're gonna re-up our wide receiver position. They completely just was like, forget the running game. They went out and got Wes Welker. They went out and traded for Randy Moss. They went out and got Dante Stallworth. And that's when Tom Brady had his crazy 50 touchdown season. And that's when they went nuts. Randy Moss caught, I think, 23 touchdowns a year. And they were just airing it out. But then by the time 2010 came back around, 2011, they were pretty much running a lot of 12 personnel. 12 personnel, one running back, two wide receivers, two um, and two tight ends. A lot of two tight end sets, like, and that's what they were. You know, for the most part, up until that point, you were running a lot of, it was one tight end. Unless you, you know, every once in a while, you were running some two tight end sets, or if you were running the ball, you were running, so you can get an extra couple blockers in there. You know, just to give you a different look. But they were running two tight end sets and actually passing the ball out of it. And Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, they pretty much, they complemented each other really, really well. Rob Gronkowski was the more power tight end. He was the guy that could just maul you to death. He could block. He, he blocked really, really good. And he was just big. He just overpowered guys. You know? I think in his second year in the league, he had uh, 17 touchdowns. So, like, or yeah, I think it was. I think it was 17. And then Aaron Hernandez was like the more speed guy. He was. He could play halfback. He could actually. They had plenty of plays where they put him in the backfield and they were run like running plays to him. And he was like the speed guy. You saw how good these guys really were. So, and again, they went. They went from you know the game manager Tom Brady to Aaron Allen Tom Brady to just two tight end set to more running more running game. And Aaron Hernandez was like a big part of in that. He had 900 yards, I believe, in his second or third year in the league, and he only played about 12 games. So that lets you know how good these guys were. So, and I think they set the record. with, like I mean. I think him and Gronkowski together set the record with like receiving yards in the season by two tight ends on the same team. And that's just, you know, that's, that's crazy to me when you think about it. So, um, you know, I, I just wish Aaron Hernandez would have made some better decisions with his life. And everyone says, you know, oh, how could he kill these guys in cold blood? And then a couple of days later, he gets a contract. Then he plays a whole football season. And then people are all like, somebody on the said, no one has ever done that where they've killed somebody and then they've played a whole entire NFL season. Yeah, nobody that you know of because he probably didn't get caught. Like, how do you know it never happened before? I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying, you don't say it, it's never happened before when you don't really know. So, I, um, but when you look at Aaron Hernandez and um, after his dad died, like, you know, things just started to go south a little bit. And it really sucks because. You know, he had it all and they said him getting drafted by the Patriots was like the worst team he can go to because he was still close to home he was still close to Connecticut it was a it was a two or two and a half hour drive from where he his hometown is started hanging out with felons he just was really really paranoid and I don't know look I've never smoked weed a day in my life but I've heard that weed can make you paranoid I know he was smoking weed a lot and the reason he even fell in the draft he had first round talent you look at that team he was really, really good for that Florida Gators team. He was, uh, if he didn't have any character flaws, he had the lowest level of social maturity. He had a one out of a 10 of social maturity. And if you look at that, it just tells you he wasn't mature enough. And that's why he fell in the draft. Like, because not only are teams 
looking to see how good of a football player you are. They need to see how good of a person you are. They need to see that you're mature enough to handle life as an NFL player. And if you can't handle that, they're not going to draft you. Like there were plenty of teams that just completely took them off the board just because of off the character, off the field character issue, and the failed drug test, multiple failed drug tests. And he had an incident in the bar while he was still in college. So like all of, all of that stuff. And like they really, you know, it's like the FBI. They they get these players. And they get these teams, they, they look up into your, your whole background. They look up every single thing. So just because a player is good doesn't mean he's going to be drafted. Because, you know, Aaron Hernandez, he thought he was invincible. He thought he can get away with everything because he had gotten away with everything. But it eventually caught up to him. He kept doing bad things. And eventually it caught up to him. And surprisingly, he got drafted by the Patriots. In the fourth round, it's surprising that he even fell that far because even with the character issues, he still is projected to be a second round pick. And then he fell all the way to the fourth round. That lets you, that tells you all you need to know. Sometimes if it's too good, if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. And in this case, it really was because eventually it bit him in the butt. And the part that sucks about this is this happened right before the season started. And everyone had to answer questions about it. And when he got arrested for it, Literally, everybody had to keep answering questions. And Bill Belichick, this next question, and you know they're asking Tom Brady, and they're asking Rob Gronkowski, and they're asking Tim Tebow, like who was like a, a former teammate the next year. And it just sucks because, you know, Aaron Hernandez is in jail at this time. And obviously his lawyer is doing all the talking, so he's not saying a word to anybody. But then he's putting everybody else in these weird positions where they have to, next question, next question. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. Because obviously they were instructed to not say anything. But yeah, it, it just sucks because it he really was um really really good player, and the CTE had to play a part in him being that paranoid. Maybe it was, maybe it was the marijuana that played a part in that, and you know he started buying guns and he he moved to a different apartment because he didn't want to stay at his house. It just was like so much. He he didn't really. I want to say he didn't get along with his teammates, but he was like he seemed like an outsider. He didn't really hang out with. And he was other teammates. Like, I mean, there's a reason that none of his former teammates have really said anything about it, or his former teammates haven't really didn't show up on the documentary. So, I just um think it it just really really sad situation. But I pretty much just wanted to say that you can't really judge a book by its cover because he really was just a pretty much a product of his environment. And um, it, it really sucks. But um, I guess we'll never really know what was really, really going on in his mind. I know they said the CTE was kind of used as a cop out. I don't necessarily think it's true. I think it's just a reason. Sometimes a reason is just a reason. Sometimes an excuse. Sometimes it's not an excuse. Sometimes it's an actual valid reason. And that's what I think happened here. I think the CTE definitely played a major part, and I think it would have happened eventually. Something maybe he would have reacted a different way, but he just really didn't. I can't even like fathom. Just looking at it, it really just puts things into perspective because you really don't know what's going on inside these players' head. You really don't. I mean, you think these guys got it all. He sees guys in the field, and we look at them like they're robots. And we look at them like you're, you're an NFL player. Just play this game. You don't know what's going on going on in these guys' heads. 
you don't know what these guys just did. I mean, there might be a guy, it could be a guy out right now committing a crime. These guys have so much downtime. They have so much money. They they think they can get, get away with everything. They think, oh, I got money. I can I can buy a good lawyer. Even if I get caught, I can get off with this. So, but again, you just really, really don't know what's going on in these guys' heads. So that's the part that sucks. But um, yeah, just him hanging out at nightclubs, killing his friend and. Olden Lloyd was actually his friend that he really used to hang out. So the fact that he even allegedly killed his own friend was tells you all you need to know. And that lets me know that what was going on on in his brain was just something crazy. I mean, he didn't seem like a a bad, malicious guy. Again, it's not a cop out saying about the CTE, all the blows to the head, and product of his environment. But it it could just be a reason. You really, like, you look at... In high school, people loved them. In college, people loved them. Like, what what changed? So, yeah, but that's all I really wanted to say about the situation. Just wanted to talk about this for a little while. So, thanks for listening. Um, If you haven't watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary, please go watch it. Really, really good. They'll definitely put you into the mind of this this tight end from Connecticut that pretty much had it all and threw it away. Tried to take one for the team by killing himself and so his uh, wife or fiance and baby could be rich and be set for the rest of his life. Didn't quite work out that way, but he tried. He figured, you know, he's going to be in jail anyway for the rest of his life. He might as well try to help out his family at least. But, yeah. But again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, it's just a game podcast, the 37th best podcast in the Trusty area, my mom's favorite podcast. Hello, mom. So um, thanks for listening, guys. Remember, it's just a game. Peace out.